HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Cutting the Curd, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network. This is Greg Blaze, and on today's episode, we're talking to David Barabal of Blackbird Restaurant in Chicago. How are you today, David? Doing great. Thanks, man. Awesome. So I'd love to start by asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up at Blackbird helping to develop their fantastic cheese program. Sure. Um, I Blackbird opened in 1997. Um, and at the time, um, I was working at the restaurant in Chicago. I met Paul Kahn uh, and Donnie Medea at a luncheon. Uh, the restaurant had already been open for about a year uh, and with great success. Lived, um, ended up moving out of Chicago. I lived in San Francisco um, for 12 years, where I uh, became a maitre fromage of the cheese program at uh, restaurant Gary Danko. Of course, classic. And then, yep. And then uh, uh, things brought me back to Chicago and uh, reconnected with, uh, with the Blackbird team, and uh, everything sort of lined up for me, and it all came, came together. It's a good way to flow back in, right? No, not bad at all. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about Blackbird? Like, what kind of cuisine and culinary philosophy do you guys highlight there? Sure. I mean, it's sometimes been described as um, modern Midwestern, uh, cuisine, nice. um, but it's a lot of, uh, you know, it's a, t- a restaurant that's been now 20 years uh, open, um, so a lot of it is as much local and um, sustainable uh, produce and, uh, and proteins. Um, uh, the style of cooking is sort of simple elegance. Um, I think that the current chef de cuisine, Ryan Pfeiffer, is more about, um, you know, the quality of ingredients as opposed to the number of ingredients. I think they try and sort of Paul Kahn's philosophy all along is keep it simple. 
good food tastes good, right? I mean, simple, little salt, little pepper, maybe. You know what I mean? It's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meat and vegetables. Like they, they, you know, they, they actually taste, you know, like what they, you know, like what they are. It's incredible. <laughs> I like that. You got that. How many cheeses do you offer on your menu? So it changes. Uh, the, we kind of wanted to bring back more of a traditional European style of cheese course. Yeah. So we offer uh, anywhere from um, uh, 10 to 15 different cheeses given on any given night. Uh, the style is that old world in the sense that we bring the cheeses out to our guests. Oh, sure. Um, and then give uh, descriptions, you know, uh, types of milks, flavor profiles, maybe some history or stories about the cheese or the cheesemaker or, or the dairy. And then we invite our guests to make their own selections. That's yeah, fantastic. How do you choose which cheeses to highlight? Are you seasonal? Are you uh, in a? Are you? What's your breakdown there? How many locals? It's a little bit of both. Yeah, it was, it's all of those things combined. I mean, we do want to have some uh, midwestern and local uh, representation. Uh, definitely seasonal. I mean, cheeses uh, are you know the animals are grazing during different seasons, and certain cheeses are are best consumed during different times of the year. We definitely take that into effect. We also look at it in terms of uh, what our guests are looking for. I mean, there's uh, as much as variety of cheeses are the variety of the guests in the restaurant. We want to have a little something that will appeal to uh, to every different uh, one of our guests. So we try and think hard cheeses and soft cheeses, goat's milk, creamy, decadent, pungent. So a little bit of everything for a little bit of everyone. Yeah, texture and seasonality um, for myself are... are are huge factors in deciding like when you know when i'm when i'm selling cheese to people you know um i find texture to be the most important mark of a cheese it's my favorite you know it's my favorite thing i think that a lot of times especially if you have people who aren't in they're they're kind of new you know to the game um you know softer cheeses you got to kind of ease them in you know what i mean because they're so it's such a bizarre texture for people you know like that glossy sort of um you know, pungent thing that they're putting in their mouth, and everything tells them like that they should not be eating this. And then as soon as, <laughs> as you know, as soon as it comes in, you know, they're they're completely transformed. And uh, in terms of seasonality, uh, one of the reasons, and uh, maybe you can, maybe you agree with me. Um, you know, cheese is one of those 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 foods that it's one of the last things left in my world because um, I you know I live in my own world um uh, that's truly a representation of seasons you know what i mean like we've we can get anything we want anytime we want you know and um and that's the way we sort of set up america but cheese still you know what i mean it's a good barometer of where you are in the year i think there's no doubt about it and even the same cheese that you may have uh will taste different if it was the cow's grazing in pasture or the cows on, on you know, winter hay sure. or in silage or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I would. there's no doubt about it. In fact, we were working with a cheese just recently called Via Mala. And in uh-huh. 20 years of working professionally with cheese, I hadn't even tasted this cheese. And it was, I got sort of the background story on it. And the, it's a cheese that is consumed specifically from the milk that comes from the cows when they're grazing on the, when the pastures in the Swiss Alps are at their most lush. Sure. This prized possession cheese that's limited production, limited uh, release. And it was just, it was really eye-opening. Like, wow, I think I can taste 
some green garlic. I can taste yeah. a little bit of uh, of those wildflowers. So yeah, pretty amazing. Those alpine cheeses, there, you know, when they get way up there, the the flavors in those are so are so incredible, and that. That those little microclimates, those little high pastures, you know, they're they're still fairly unspoiled. You know, um, I know, like you know, when we, you know, I, I bring in a lot of Alpine cheese, probably a little bit too much, and you know, according to you know maybe you know the owners of the store, but I'm, I'm you know completely addicted to Alpine cheese, and you know some of these things are are made so high that they have to helicopter the the, the finished cheeses back down, which I yeah is, yeah yeah it's fantastic, and uh, you know as a as a as a cheesemonger, you know you really and um, I'm sure you get to explain to your to your uh, to your clientele what the process of transhumance is, you know, which is just fascinating, you know. To me, it always has been. You know, do you get a lot of you get a lot of um, of questions and um, and inquiries about that sort of thing? You do actually. That's one of the nice parts about the about the the cheese service in general is that you get an opportunity because everyone kind of likes cheese, but they don't know anything about sure. particular cheeses. So it is it's cheese making techniques, it's letting people know stories and about the different you know elevations of alpine pastures or the different techniques of washed rind cheeses or talking about the, um, you know, anything about cheese. People just, you know, that interaction, that personal social interaction that you have uh, with your guests. Uh, and even if a guest says, you know what, I, I really like cheddar. Sure. Well, great. I love cheddar, too. Yeah. And this is the best cheddar I've ever had. You know, this, this is a yeah. Cottonwood Reserve River cheddar from Durham, Kansas. It's incredible. You know, it's, yeah. it's a little bit of something very but it is that personal uh, interaction uh, that I think makes the cheese program or any sort of you know, those types of table-side programs, um, uh, special and, and more interactive. Cheese is, um, is a great uh, mystery food, you know? It still is for diners and for mongers, you know what I mean? There's still some magic left in the world with these things, you know? Um, and they... You know, the, the way that, that um, something, you know, that's essentially a, you know, a 36-month-old glass of milk, you know, uh, there's a lot, there's a, there's, a, you know, there's a lot trapped in there. There's a lot of memory, a lot of flavor, you know, um, and, uh, and I did a little bit of cheese um, in the restaurant biz as well. I worked in, um, in our uh, place Artisanal, in, uh, artisanal in, uh, in New York City. You know, I was a straight retail guy before then, you know, it was like, Get them in, sell them as much cheese as you can quickly, and then get them the f out. You know what I mean? And um, <laughs> and it was really um, it was really interesting, you know, the to go out and um, you know and interact with them. I mean, of course, I broke some barriers. They were like, "Well, you have to go out there in a suit," and I was like, "Yeah, I don't own one, so I'm going to go out there in my whites." You know, <laughs> and, and, you know, and you get these really, you know, these people that that were so, you know, not pretentious, but they're 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 used to operating in a certain way in the dining experience, and then a dude like me would walk out, you know, and like you know, with a pencil behind my ear, and be like, "This is what it's all about," you know. It must feel good yeah, to be able awesome. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. People uh, like that too. I'm sure they, they see you walking around. They say, "Hey, who's this guy? Yeah, I want that guy to come over exactly. here and talk to me." You know, so that's how it works. So we had, a, in fact, service on uh, Saturday night service. You know, we we do sell a lot of cheese. It has become really popular in a very short period of time sure. in Blackbird. But all it takes is for you know uh, one one guest or one table of guests to see, oh, what's going on over there? Oh, I want that. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I tell you, this Saturday we sold more cheese in the restaurant than, than any night we have. Probably in the restaurant's history, it was more just it was just the energy was there. Yeah, people's curiosity was peaked. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it feels good, man. It really does. It really does. Um, you recently introduced a new signature cheese to the menu called Little Blackbird. How did you go about developing that new cheese? 
Well, it's uh, it's um, we had an idea. Chef uh, Ryan Pfeiffer and myself. We were, you know, the cheese program was kind of taking off, and we thought, well, we'd like to do something that's sort of representative or exclusive. Yeah, uh, something that's all yours. Blackbird. It's all us. That's it. So we ended up reaching out to a couple of different uh, um, cheesemakers, dairies that we had relationships, personal relationships with, uh, at the restaurant, and we, uh, and then we had an idea for the cheese, the style of cheese that we wanted, and we sort of started collaborating on, okay, what's the season, what's in season, we want this, we want it to be a wash-drying cheese. Um, of course you Kind do. of a little backstory on it. Yeah, orange is the color of Blackbird. That's the, the brand yeah. logo. Uh, Paul Kahn, one of the owners, originally wanted to call Blackbird Little Blackbird. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, so it's sort of an homage to, to, you know, one of Paul's idea, the color. Uh, I'm a huge fan of wash-drying cheese. Yeah, I mean, me it's too. stinky cheese. So we ended up working with the farm at Doe Run, um, uh, who we've great served farm. their cheese at the restaurants. Yeah. Uh, and they make great stuff, super sweet people. Yeah. And we came up with an idea. Uh, they were working on some, they call them like little, you know, basically it's what it is, is it gives opportunities for cheesemakers to keep it interesting. You know, yeah, you, have 100%. you make it. And you're just making the same cheese over and over and over. It kind of gets boring. And they were all into it. So we, the first batch of Little Blackbird uh, was washed in um, uh, a winter botanical gin. Cool. So revivalist gin. So the idea here is kind of like in the style of, like, say, a Munster. Yeah. Alsace Munster is kind of got a sense of that, yeah, the stinker. Yeah. But it tastes like the sweetest you've ever had, you know what I mean? The good stuff. It was, it, 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 it was just that. So you have this beautiful kind of meaty, yeah. uh, buttery richness the cheese. And the finish, you really got a sense of those winter botanicals, the gin. It was yeah. really nifty, in it, and everyone loved it. So for that person, and the interesting thing, and this was really cool, people who normally would say, I do not even want to yeah, touch don't, that. Don't even cheese. keep that near me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were all into it. I'll tell you, we, we sell, everyone orders that cheese, probably because it's exclusive, they can have it nowhere else. Oh, yeah, 100%. They tried, like, Ooh, I, would never, I would never order this yeah. cheese, but this is really delicious. I'm really into it, so it's pretty cool. Well, you got, you know, of course you want to wash drying cheese because, you know, you're a cheesemonger, and so you take the, you're getting fluid milk and you're making this on premises? Is that what you're doing, or you're having them make it no, for no, you? No, no, they're make, they're ah. making it and aging it. We're just collaborating with the, with cool. the wash. Cool, I gotcha. I was going to say, like, of course you'd want to have a washed rind cheese because you can futz around with it more. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, as, as a cheesemonger, you just want to mess with stuff all the time. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> then, like all the time. That's really cool. So, uh, so they just, they, they, is, uh, is it a pasteurized cheese? Uh, it is a pasteurized cheese, and it's, uh, it's uh, winter hay, uh, Jersey cow's milk, so super rich. Oh, nice. Got a nice uh, golden and we, and hue to the so paste. that's one done. Yeah, that's one done. So the second cheese, and we were, the idea here was sort of collaborating with seasonality. So we were thinking, okay, winter, those botanicals, juniper, and oh, sort of yeah. got into that. That's where we got to that. Batch two, which we're in right now, uh, is going to is washed with a um, a, a, a sweeter uh, dessert wine. Oh, cool! That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Well, at any time so you need. Kinda... No, please. I'm sorry. Go on. No, no, that's it. So you were kind of the idea here behind the, the little blackbird is to continuously evolve. Like, yeah. you know, we have 3.0. We're going to wash in Marc de Bourgogne because uh, sure, you know, Donnie Medea likes drinking Marc de Bourgogne. Yeah, and, and Apois is my favorite cheese. So it's going to be like an evolution where we're constantly coming up with different washes based on the season. Maybe we'll have, you know, Chef Ryan will maybe come up with like some sort of a fermented 
product that we can then wash the cheese with in the springtime. So it's going to be a, always an ever-changing, but it'll always be uh, this sort of monster size, you know, half-pound, smaller wheel uh, of a wash and cheese. What's cool is that they're doing it for you, and, and, it, and it's a good way for me to segue into my next question for you. What's awesome about what you're, what you're doing is you're going right to the maker. Um, you know, they're making the cheese from you. You're not using, you know, distribution is great. You need dis- good distribution in this life. You know, um, but it must be really comforting to know that, you know, they're producing a certain amount for you and you just take it and sell it. Because one of the things that um, when I was working uh, at Artisanal, one of the one of the tough parts about a restaurant cheese program is waste management. You know, Um, it's uh, it's, you know, the the, the cheese program uh, operates, you know, as a way to get people to order more booze legitimately, you know, because that's what you sure. want, you know, that's what you want them for. And that's where your food cost, you know, gets buttressed. You know what I mean? Like you were, you're able to, you know, put out a, you're putting out a four cheese plate at $22, you know, for five people, but everybody there is ordering a glass or two more wine. You just, you just, you, you just like put another, you know, 80, a hundred dollars on the, on the, you know, on the tab, which is which is awesome. You know, and yeah, that, that's, that's exactly how it works. What do you do with your waste? How do you manage it? Well, you know, it is the, the it, obviously it's a living product, and there is going to be some amount of waste. So, you how do you how do you counteract that? The idea for us is, as opposed to ever wasting anything, you know, as cheese is living. Before we'd ever just dispose uh, of anything, we'll gift it to our guests. So, someone oh, is cool. super excited about cheese. Three plates. We know. Okay, we got to sell this cheese. We would never. We would give it away as, as gifts to yeah. to our guests. That's one way. But that's that's from a, a business perspective. That's no different than you know. Bottom line. That's the same as throwing in the trash. Yeah. So the way you combat the, the actual waste is we order cheese every day in small quantities. That's cool. We don't have. Yeah. So there's we have. You know. There's a dedication to it. There's a constant monitoring. There's inventory is incredibly important. Uh, you know. You want to get find your breaks in terms of like volume purchasing and some cheeses last longer than others obviously if you're you know you're buying you can buy larger wheels of hard cheeses where yeah. soft cheeses you're we're buying them literally sometimes you know by the piece we'll run this for a, for a day and then replace it so we're really fortunate with our purveyors uh we well, that's the key delivered right there you know yeah, because seven days a week you know a lot of chefs that i work with you know they come in and they buy the cheese retail because most distribution you know, they're not breaking down cases for you. You know, they're not set up to sell you half a wheel of Gruyere or two Valencay. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know what I mean? That's what wholesale is all about. So if you have that kind of relationships, you know, you're in good shape. You know, so, you, so it sounds like you manage spoilage through the purchasing, which is obviously the best way you can possibly do it. That's really cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. When, so yeah, we're so, we've, we've had good relationships. So that's true. Well, but then that's what it's all about in general. I mean, the relationship you have with your customers, the relationship that you have with the chefs and the front of house staff and all the servers and the relationship that you have with all of your distribution, that's what makes and breaks you in the end. You can have the best stuff ever, but you know, if, you're not, if you're not dealing with people that you know and you don't have an understanding, you get fucked up. You know what I mean? Like you, you know, True. you know, and and it's tough. It's tough to to um, and and I don't like to waste either. I mean, cheese in and of itself is a product 
of not wanting to waste milk, you know? So the idea that thusly you would have to dispose of it is completely insane to me, you know? Um, um, but back to, um, you know, so I won't go rampant and uh, go off on some 20-minute tangent. Um, so when you serve <laughs> the cheese, um, what kind of considerations do you have to make? Like, how do you make sure it's the right temperature without sacrificing the quality? Um, you know, like, you know, you probably have a, a dining area that fluctuates in temperature, you know. How do you, um, how do you take care of the cheese? Well, we actually have, uh, as opposed to cutting the cheese right there, yeah. uh, we present the cheese uh, we have a, a presentation board, but the cheese is actually tempered and controlled from our uh, our pastry team. So guest yep. orders will have a plate of these three cheeses. Then it's relayed the information to the pastry chef. Pastry chef also creates different accoutrements. So, you know, whether it's date jam or chutneys. Yeah, it's it's an incredible uh, part of the program. It's actually all of the things that the pastry team does to 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 create the accoutrements. But they're actually cutting everything's tempered. Everything is you know appropriately portioned. You know the baguette for the uh, is baked at the um, uh, our company's bakery, which is uh, public and quality bread. Oh yeah, man. On Lake Street above, so it's this beautiful fresh baguette. It's just it's pristine. So we're able to uh, we're able to to control temperature and and all of that by um, by having a cut by the pastry team. It's good. You got to have a good team because a lot of times the cheese boards get get put on the pastry team, you know? Um because you know, it's a dessert, it's a dessert offering, you know, and um you know, the people they want to have cheese boards, but you know, these guys are busy making other things, so sometimes the cheese store sits there, you know, and then they they hack it up, you know, and uh, and they put it out there. But it sounds, you know, you probably estimate how many plates you think you're going to sell in any given night, get that ready to go, right? And then um, if you exactly, yeah. exactly right, yeah. yeah, exactly. And if you need a half hour, say to temper, they're keeping an eye. So say the yeah. wheel is an eight ounce wheel of cheese, and when they're halfway through, and we're only halfway through service. The second one, next one is pulled so they can start tempering so they're ready for it. Yeah, but getting true. back to your other point, it reminded me, you know, thinking of talking about waste, one of the things I think has really excited the uh, pastry team, you know, we collaborate in terms of, like, purchasing. I run the – I run in terms of my app control is picking the cheeses, ordering the cheeses, and making sure that we have the right rotation. The but it's really an exciting way for the pastry team to eliminate waste, you know, making chutneys, making jams, making yeah. preserves. Uh, things like that. So they're always, you know, that's become a big part of the pastry team. Uh, you know, Nicole Guinea, our our pastry chef, she's she's incredible, and she's yeah. coming in with different, uh, you know, uh, jams and whatnot. So it's just an opportunity for them to work on things to not waste, you know, fruits when they're yeah. coming out of season, uh, things like that. So it's pretty nifty. The whole thing about cheese is exactly what I said. You know, it's all value added. It's all taking what you know. It's the it's it's all about preserving. You know what I mean? Preserving milk, preserving life. You know, it's a. Uh, it's, it's fantastic, you know, and you get the, if you get your, your team, like you say, your pastry team on the right mindset, you can just have a banging program. Um, for, so for restaurateurs who are listening, because we get some of those, uh, do you have any advice um, for them on how to develop a program from scratch? Like, what did you learn about that? Well, um, you, one, have to be passionate about cheese. Yeah, of course. Uh, have to be, <laughs> that's the number one. You have to be willing to go for it. Um, it's not an easy program to instill depending on how you want to do it. I mean, anyone can just order 12 different cheeses, put it on a menu with the names of where they're from, and, and let it if go. people want to buy it, yeah. and let it go. That happens, and there's places to do a good job of that. Sure. But, uh, it's, not, it's not as, one, you're not going to sell as much cheese. Two, you're going to have more waste because, yeah. you know, these cheeses are going to 
sit until they're no longer saleable, and then you're going to unfortunately have to get rid of them. So I think the idea of having it as a, an interactive course, I think, was the key to the success we have at Blackbird. And maybe to any restaurant, I think, like, look at restaurant Gary Danko, the cheese program sure. there is, is legendary for the West Coast. And that's, you know, 25 different cheeses every night on a 300-pound Gerardon oh, yeah. brought to your table. Um, you know, so that, ah, the that's French. one extreme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and you, you know, bro, brother, you want to? You don't know what an interruption in a restaurant is when a three hundred pound Gerardon of cheese hits a corner oh. of the fast. It takes a spill. Oh my lord, brother! <laughs> Chaos. That's when you're just like, oh, all right, let's oh. just burn this place down immediately. You know, like, exactly. <laughs> Lock the doors. <laughs> Everyone go home. We're done. Uh, but no, I would say that making it interactive, making it giving the guests an opportunity to uh, to learn more, and we all. Not just cheese, but in general, everyone wants to, uh, you know, you know, we're like sponges. So there's something that we're curious about. Like everyone wishes they probably knew a little bit more about wine, but we don't have time to go and read wine books and, and all of this. Yeah. But, you know, I can learn more about cheese right now by just ordering it and having this this guy or this gal come over and talk about these cheeses. And, wow, I know more about cheese now than I have in my entire life yeah. in five minutes. So. You give that opportunity to that, that interactive aspect, but I think that's always been the successes that I've had working with cheese programs. And the other thing we talked about it: develop relationships with your purveyors. Yeah. You know, as a, you're a cheesemonger, you know you can tell somebody comes to you, they can tell you what they like, and you can tell them what what you have that they may like. Maybe introduce them something new, something they've never heard of. So it's all is there's personal relationships with your guests, with your purveyors. Uh, that's the most important part about getting a program uh, off and, and running. And and it's all numbers too. I mean, it is at the end of the day. We're running a business, and you know you have to realize that cheese is not inexpensive. Oh no! So you know, so, so you know the idea of somebody, somebody the other day, I saw in a, in a review, someone said they had this incredible experience, but they couldn't believe they had to pay eight dollars for uh, uh, for one cheese selection. Ah, now, sack I, up I, and I, I read this and I go, really, man? Yeah. That cheese was thirty. This cheese was forty dollars for a pound of that cheese. Yeah. You know, because people don't buy cheese like that. It's you understand? A, yeah. that, you know, expensive. It is. And it sounds like what you're saying. If you want to develop a program, you got to go for it. Teach the staff. Get your people involved on a you know on a restaurant level. Get the guests involved. You know, but be smart about what you buy. That seems to be. That you seems ha- to be it. You have to. Yeah. You have to. And you also have to think too. If you're if you're only purchasing cheeses that are say. $30, $40 a pound. You have to offset that. You just got like it. a wine list, just it, like a menu. Yeah. You have to have... Well, there's hardware that you need. There's hardware that you need in any in any food in any food application. Do you know what I mean? There has to be good, cheap stuff that protects your margins and allows you to play and bring in something else. You know, and if you have that to back you up, then the thing that normally would you charge you would have to charge a guest eight or nine dollars. If you have protected yourself on a margin level with other things. Then you're just you're just golden. You know what I mean. You can always have two or three things that would be astronomically expensive, but you don't have to worry about it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you know you, you yeah. you're buying whole wheels of Reggiano. You know what I mean? At like you know nine or ten dollars a pound, and that's saving you. Cool. You know? It's true. It's true. And you nailed the other thing too. And I didn't mention that. You're 100 percent right. The other part of it is your tr- staff training. That yeah. is so important. Got to do it. Everyone's on board. And well, you think about the restaurant like uh, that for Blackbird, open 20 years, didn't have this tableside cheese service. People have been working there for 20 years yeah. who never had to do this before. And then all of a sudden, I have to do what? I have to right. take this where? You know, right. so uh, interesting stuff. 
cool, man. Uh, thanks for all of that. We're going to take a short break, um, and then we're going to come back and um, you know and talk a little bit um, about some other stuff. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Today's program is brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, period. Why? Lush grasslands, glacial water supply, fourth-generation cheesemakers, combining old-world tradition with the new ideas and highest standards. The very best milk. What do you think of when you think of Wisconsin cheese? For me, I think cheese curds, delicious fresh cheese curds, or deep-fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any time, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese Company, the operation behind the Pleasant Ridge Reserve cheese that's literally America's most awarded cheese. I think of the deliciously stinky Limburger and its long-storied history. I think about Raleigh's Dumbarton Blue, a perfect blend of English-style cheddar and notes of blue. I think of Emmy Roth's Grand Cru Chirchois, which was named 2016's World Champion at the World Championship Cheese Contest. Wisconsin is like the world champion of cheese, and once you start reading the list of cheeses made in Wisconsin on their website, you can see why. The Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board is a nonprofit organization funded entirely by Wisconsin's dairy farm families. Read more at eatwisconsincheese.com. And as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, eat Wisconsin cheese. It's a no-brainer. Hello and welcome back to Cutting the Curd. On the line, I have Mr. David Barabal, a Blackbird restaurant in Chicago. Before the break, we were sort of uh, plumbing the depths of uh, developing a cheese program for a restaurant, talking about Blackbird. For this portion of the episode, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the cheese scene in Chicago and also about the cheese in, mid- about cheese in the Midwest in general. Uh, David, how have you seen people's appetite for cheese change over the last few years in Chicago? Well, I think Chicago as a as a culinary scene uh, is diverse, and there's yeah. a lot of great chefs, cutting-edge styles, um, and I think cheese is kind of interesting in that it's the most old world of food products. Oh, yeah. It goes back. Yeah, the idea of some of something that's, say, 200-year-old recipe for cheese is... And that's a youngster. Kind of new and yeah. hip. Yeah, and that could be a young one. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of young and hip, like, ooh... Like, oh, I, I don't know about a plus. Not sure about that. I'm like, well, this is a cheese that's been enjoyed for hundreds of years, you know. So I think people, uh, with the sort of advance of, like, the culinary scene, I think then your people's palates are willing to try new things, and people are eating more cheese. They're willing to try stuff. You know, they're, they want to, they're like, they're not scared of, oh, stinky cheese, or they're not scared right. of, of, wow, what's that ash all over there? Why am I eating ash out of my cheese, things like that. So I think it's pretty, people's eyes have been opened or are willing to try new stuff. Classic is always cool. You know what I mean? That's why it's classic. You know, it's like the consistency, you know what I mean, of, of, of these of these products and what it is, I think always shines, shines through, you know. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like it's... it's uh, I like that line. Yeah. I, I'm stealing that line. Yeah. Classic is cool. It's all you, brother. I like take it. it. Take it and run I like it. it. <laughs> Who are some of your favorite producers in the Midwest right now? Um, you know, uh, we uh, mentioned during the break they were talking about Uplands Dairy, and I've been uh, I've been uh, buying cheese from uh, 
from Uplands for oh man, it must be close to 20 years. I was one of the old school customers when uh, when Mike Gingrich uh, owned the place, and I mean that's just a phenomenal cheese. Andy Hatch, who comes on the show whenever we can get him, is just a fantastic cheese mon- cheese maker. You know what I mean? But what do you like? What do you like right now that's from around you? Well, a new one, uh, uh, Jason Weeby Dairy. Uh-huh. Has, uh, he's making an awesome cheddar right now in uh, Durham, Kansas. That's currently yeah, you mentioned board. that. What's that called again? Jason Weeby Dairy. It's the uh, Cottonwood River Reserve Cheddar. That's a new one. Cool. We got a new purveyor. There's a new purveyor in Chicago that works exclusively with uh, Midwestern cheeses. So we've got a couple of new cool ones. Uh, Mary, uh, Judy Schaub at um, Capriol Farms. Judy Schaub. Judy. Judy she's Shad. she's fantastic. That stuff's amazing. She's a she's a fun lady, and we yeah. have, and Paul Kahn has a personal relationship with her too over the years. Yeah. So. We like working with her. We, we tend to rotate our goat's milk cheeses. We'll always try to have a Capriol Farms uh, cheese, one or another on the Sophia's board. Sophia's been uh, great. Those are two. I was just eating a little of that uh, before I got here. Uh, Sophia is like, that's fantastic. Those little gold bricks, you know what I mean? The dusted gold yeah. bricks. Yeah. And that's interesting. Talk about relationships. So Sophia, the cheese yeah. Sophia, is named after Sophia Solomon. Owns a yeah, cheese, that's that's uh, debatable. Distribution in Chicago. Yeah, I know Sophia and I know Judy, um, and that's a. Yeah. I'm not going to get into that, but um, I love Sophia and I love Sophia the cheese and I love Judy and I like Sophia as well. But uh, but I know what you're saying. Like you mean like it's uh, the lore, the lore of uh, of cheese is is just an incredible, per, you know, incredible. Um, uh, it's like a selling point, you know. What I mean, that's what cheese is all about, man. You know, like no doubt about it. Well, I mean, it's about what it is. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I don't mean that's what it's about. I mean, it's about how. And I digress. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> um, are your customers really into the local cheese, or do they want the European cheeses a little more? You know, it's interesting. It's an interesting mix. You know, Paul Kahn has always been about Midwestern, you know, and local yeah. sources and farmers and, and, you know, butchers and all of that. So he kind of represents what's all about, like, you know, Goose Island Brewery, yeah. you know, back when it was still like a local, you know, sure. brewer, all of this stuff. So that's kind of like the heart and soul of Blackbird as a restaurant. But when it comes to cheese, like you said, classic is cool. Yeah. You know, you're looking at old cheeses made for centuries with, you know, techniques and seasons and histories. And another part about it is, is it's also kind of, from my perspective, I enjoy the story. I like right. telling the story of why is, what is the secret de Compostelle? Well, this is this journey that pilgrims take through the the Pyrenees yeah. Mountains. You know, there's a lot more the history for something that's been around for for hundreds of years. And people are into those stories and stuff. You know, we tell about like, okay, so this producer, Berthaud, you know, after World yeah. War II, the recipe for a plus was almost lost because yep. all the cheesemakers were killed in the war. I mean, just so many cool yeah. historical facts about, about like, you know, European or, or, or older, you know, yeah. uh, uh, cheese has been around for so long. So that's kind of fun. And people like hearing the stories. And you hear a story like, oh, I don't know, that's a cool story. I guess I'll try that cheese. That sounds yeah. incredible. So. So you probably get a little bit of both. I've met, I've met Mr. Berto. Um, his, uh, uh, I've been over there uh, to um, uh, to visit that process. It was in- incredible, um, incredible. And it was like a fortress over there, man. Really, really interesting. I'm I, actually, I would love to. I was really loathe to talk about it because it is, just, you know, it, it's secretive. You know what I mean? You got to get there to be there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, sure. no matter what I told you, it wouldn't be as good as just going over there and experiencing it. But <laughs> but it sounds like, you know, you got a restaurant that highlights, you know, obviously what's going on around it. 
um, and a lot of food stuffs from there. But it sounds like you make some inroads and you get some people to buy some European cheese or try some European cheese. I'm just a retailer, you know what I mean? I'm stuck in that things like they're buying cheese, but with you, they're you know they're experiencing the eating of it. It's fantastic. Sure. Sure. Cool. And it's talking to me too. The other thing you think about it from a business perspective is that a cheese, you know, you're gonna. It's people don't understand that 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 Cottonwood Reserve. Yeah, I gotta check that out. Is, is more expensive than say can be more expensive than a product that's coming from Burgundy, France. Yeah. You know, or from the Loire Valley. And your, interesting, you know, your ability to, to to let people know why that is, you know. And to, 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 that's such important communication as either a restaurateur or a retailer, you know what I mean? Because people don't understand that, you know? In a perfect world, they would not have to understand that, but they do now, you know what I mean? Like, how is something that's been me made, you know, a two-hour car ride away from me is less expensive than something that has to go to two trucks, one airplane, and then another truck to get to me? You know what I mean? That's, that's a... That's a complex question, you know what I mean? But your ability to, your ability to get people to, to uh, sort of understand that and then still support buying the local products, you know what I mean? Because that's important, you know? The, one of the great dangers, um, I think always something that we have to be vigilant about, you know, is, um, is supporting the local food system, you know? And uh, we got to roll with that. You know, there's things like FISMA roll in, you know, and, uh, and you know, we get more you know, xenophobic and, uh, you know, and, uh, and germophobic, you know. It's important for people to support these old ways things, you know what I mean? Like, and, 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 and they have to pay to do it, you know what I mean? Like, they just do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's 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 history. I mean, it's, yeah. it's it's there's so much behind the the idea of like, like you said, of, uh, of a, of a two year old glass of milk. Yeah. <laughs> you Incredible. know, it's not it's not easy to make that taste delicious. So, I'm sure you do a great job of doing exactly that. Look, David, I want to say thanks a lot for giving me a little bit of your time today and stepping away from the restaurant and um, you know coming to talk about cheese. I really enjoyed having you on the show. And, um, you know, and for everybody that's listening, um, that's anywhere near Chicago, get in your car or your private jet or whatever and fly on in. Go to Blackbird. Check out the cheese program there. And um, as always, keep listening to Cutting the Curd. We'll be back next week with more stuff. Ciao. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.